0: Good morning. Good morning. Thank you, friend. Thank you. Thank you. I do want to say that the uh, song we just sang um, is exactly in line with tonight's message. I'm just blown away when the Lord does that. I'm, I'm, I, I have heard that song before. I didn't recognize it when I, um, when I first heard when I saw the title. And I'm, I'm listening to it and singing, thinking. Wow, Jesus you're talking to us. It's exactly in line with where we're going tonight. So I, I share that to say I feel like God has already made clear like he is in charge of this thing. He's going to do something good. He's going to do something really good in our lives this weekend. So I'm thrilled to be here with you guys. I want to take a few minutes this morning and introduce myself. I know I met some of you at Salt. How many of you guys were at Salt in January? Good number of you. And, uh, but I want to take a few minutes to introduce myself this morning. We're going to do a few things uh, this morning that's going to wrap up in your life group time. But I know that whenever I go somewhere, I have as much ministry among you as you allow me. Most of you guys have never met me; you don't know me. I want to give you a little bit of my window into of, of a window into my backstory with Jesus to allow, hopefully, to build some relational trust with you guys so that when we go over the course of the rest of this weekend, you'll allow me to speak into your lives. Is that cool? Is that, is that a good thing? I, um, I, I guess I would start, when I tell people my story, I always start in, by telling them that when I was growing up, the last thing I, would, I ever thought I would be when I was growing up was a follower of Jesus. I come from the kind of family that maybe some of you come from. I come from, you know, just a good family that uh, my parents loved me. They gave me the best of everything they could. Mom and dad were the kind of people who were just like incredibly hard workers. My dad left his house when he was 18 years old. He had $5 that he borrowed from his sister. That's all he had in his entire life. And somehow he dad just made it work. He was one of those hardworking guys. I remember he said that he went and um, he needed to get a... Um, an apartment but he had no job and he had five dollars and the guy was like you're crazy why would I rent you an apartment you've got five dollars and no job and dad said I will get a job right away I will never ever ever be late If you'll just give me this chance and the guy's like i don't know why this is crazy but i'm gonna give you a chance and sure enough man dad went out there got a job never ever ever was late he was just kind of that kind of guy mom got started in the business world at the time when um it just a lot of times where women weren't necessarily seen in a very high regard in in the business world and mom just made it work so i come from those kind of parents who are just crazy hard workers really did the best they could uh, raise me the best they could but mom and dad didn't know Jesus when I was growing up so the only hope that mom and dad could offer to me was hope in me have you ever tried living with hope and nothing past you have you ever tried living life kind of on your own even if you were raised in the church have you ever tried living life I think I'm going to try to do it my way If hope and nothing past you, now I don't know what that looked like for you, but I know that hope and nothing past Stephanie led me into what I really found to be a trap of pretty deep disillusionment. I just became so disillusioned with life, I was incredibly lonely, and I was paralyzed by fear. I just was one of those things, one of those things in my life, I just was afraid of everything. And I just kind of fell into this trap of just loneliness and fear. And I wanted to do really good things. I want, well, I'm going to take that back. I wanted to make a lot of money. That was my good thing. (laughs) I was like, what do you want to do with your life? Make money. And, you know, that was kind of my thing. But I was just so fearful about so many things. If you had asked me when I was 18 years old uh, what the gospel was, I honestly don't think I could've told you. Now, I grew up in Los Angeles, and I know there are a lot of people around the country who think that Los Angeles is like Satan's front porch, but you know, there, there is like, there's some gospel representation. Anybody here, any, what, any chance? I see one person, who's, are you from California? You, oh, t- dude, where, where? Los Angeles. <laughs> you and I have to meet. I, I've gotta to get to know you. Okay, have you found a good taco since you've been here? No. No, I'm sorry, it just doesn't happen, not compared to Los Angeles, but I mean, so people, I, I talk to some people, because I, I grew up in Los Angeles, and people are like, oh, LA is so dark, but you know what, you would think in 18 years, somewhere along the way, I, somebody would have shared the gospel with me. In fact, four years of high school, I don't remember one person, if anybody knew Jesus in my high school, no one was talking about Jesus No one even ever really mentioned his name in four years of high school. So I graduate from high school, go away to college, I step onto my university campus and God is the farthest thing from my mind. I love to tell people, and some of you may have heard when I shared parts of this at SALT, I love to tell people though that I was not the farthest thing from God's mind. I stepped onto my campus, and there was a ministry called Chi Alpha on my campus. In fact, I love to tell people that before I ever got onto campus, somebody from Chi Alpha was praying for me. The RA in my residence hall is a guy named Dennis. Loved Jesus, part of Chi Alpha. Before we ever got to campus, he was praying over us. Anybody here in the room an RA? Hello, you and I also have to meet. I'm like meeting you one by one. <laughs> Anybody like chocolate? Okay, all right. <laughs> there you go. All right. So the guy, this guy Dennis, uh, he was RA. So our building was about 350 people. Our little section in the hall, 21 people. So Dennis and 21 of us. And Dennis just loved Jesus. Before he ever, before we ever got on campus, he had gone through and had prayed over every one of us before we ever came to campus. He he went in and he prayed over. He did like a prayer walk in the hall and prayed over our rooms. He prayed over our beds. He prayed over our desks. This is back in the day when dinosaurs roamed the earth. So instead of like filling things out online, because we didn't have it online back then, you know, we would actually fill out our info cards, because like, so, because in order to Paris's as roommates. And so I remember filling out this pink card. Okay, well, and what do you like? What do you like to do? Blah blah. And Dennis actually took those cards and he laid hands on those cards and asked Jesus who he should put together as roommates. He just bathed us. He covered us in prayer. Somebody from Chi Alpha was praying for me before I ever stepped foot on campus. Now, here's the cool thing about that. So I told you he prayed over us and asked Jesus who he should put together as roommates. He put me with a young woman named Sandy who was a transfer student in. She was a sophomore. I was a freshman. She, they put her in a freshman hall. She didn't really want to be in a freshman hall. She was dating an older guy in school, and she kind of hoped to live kind of in the same building that he was. They ended up putting her in my building. And we just kind of, you know, we got along pretty fine, and then we became pretty good friends. But in the midst of this entire first semester, you know, we—I'll um, I'll, be—I'll be honest. I, we were doing things, yeah, we were kind of partying. I'll just I'll just go ahead and say, we, we were kind of partying in, in college. My, my roommate and I, we just kind of, I remember toga parties and stuff like that, just kind of crazy. I'm not saying I'm not endorsing this. You know, there's like, like little, we're, you know, small, not endorsed by the national Chi Alpha leader, you know. But this is where I was, right? And, um, and so in the midst of all this, God is doing something among the students in my little section of the 21 of us. And little by little, people were starting to become awakened to this God who was so real. Because there were also a few other Christians in that hall. Now there were two things spreading in my residence hall at that time of, of our little section: um, the message of the gospel was spreading, and also chickenpox. And um, true story, I remember I remember a bunch of people got chickenpox in our hall, and then a bunch of people started giving their lives to Jesus in their hall. And I remember the rest of the hall was like, "Don't go down to that little section of the building because you'll either get God or chickenpox." You know, <laughs> true <laughs> true story, you guys. It was hilarious, but little by little, something started to happen in our little hall. And and the few Christians, Dennis and a couple other Christians, were there. They just really lived out their faith. I had never seen that in my life. I had only seen like you know occasionally. So occasionally, my mom took me to my grandparents' Greek Orthodox church. My mom's side of the family is Greek, and um and so we throw plates, we say opa, you know, we do all the stuff. We eat and 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 occasionally, Grandma would get edgy because we hadn't been to church. And uh, church, it was just kind of a cultural thing, and so mom would dress us up, take us to church, and um, all I knew about church is in the middle you got mints, because grandma would pass out mints to keep us quiet. At the end you got bread. And I'm like, church isn't so bad if you can just eat through it, you know. <laughs> and, and so that's really all I knew about church. Most of the service was in Greek, and we didn't speak Greek in my generation. The only Greek happening in our family was when grandma and grandpa were fighting, and those were not words you're going to hear in church, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and so that's the only Greek that we, that we got. And so most of the service is in Greek. I'm a kid. It doesn't mean anything to me at that point. So I fast forward to go to college, and I start seeing people my age who have this great, great love for Jesus, and I'm like, this is interesting. I don't know what to do with it. They would talk about what they viewed and what they felt was a biblical view of sex, and I'm like, that's very odd, you know? I was like, "I, I just had never heard anything like that. Fast forward to the beginning of my second semester, I come home one day on a Sunday afternoon to tell my roommate about a guy I just met and she comes home also and I said, hey, I've got something to tell you. And she said, I've got something to tell you. And I said, well, why don't you go first? She said, I gave my life to Jesus Christ today. Let me just say that's not what I was going to tell her, you know, about this guy I just met, right? And I was like, I just, I had never heard those words in my life. I had never heard the words I gave my life to Jesus Christ. And so I was like, I don't understand what that means. And I, and I immediately, I just, I wanted to know if she'd still party with me, all the, all the stuff. And she's like, I shouldn't get drunk anymore because when I'm drunk, I'm out of control and Jesus is in control of my life. Jesus is in the driver's seat of my life. So I'm not going to get drunk anymore. And I'm like, oh no, he got her too. You know what I mean? And. And then I, sorry. <laughs> and then I imagined she had this little red Honda. I imagined Jesus driving in the driver's seat of her life, and I imagined Jesus driving her little red Honda. And I was like, his hair was probably flowing in the wind, and <laughs> he had sunglasses because why not, you know? And I, I was like, I, you guys, again, I just, I had no grid whatsoever. And I know some of you guys are raised in the church; you were raised to love Jesus all of your life, and so maybe this is just—it's a different kind of story. I promise you, there are people just like me out there who have no idea what this gospel is. I was, I was living, I'm going to jump kind of a side story here. I was living, uh, I spent five years living on campus at Georgetown University as a chaplain in one of the residence halls. I had a student come up to me one day and say, um, I'm reading this book for class and I don't understand it because it has all this biblical imagery and my parents raised me so that I would not be exposed to any religion until I was an adult and I could kind of pick for myself. She said, can you just help me understand the Bible because I just don't understand this book for class since it makes reference to the Bible. So I, I she comes over the next day and we start chatting, I get out my Bible, and I'm I'm just, everything from Genesis on, I'm just going the whole, you know, the whole story of scripture, and then I'm flipping over to the New Testament, and I, and I come to this, in my Bible, it had the words of Jesus in red, some of you guys probably have a Bible like that, and she looked at it, and she said, why are those words in red, and I said, well, those are the words of Jesus, they just kind of highlight them in, in the printing of it, she said, oh, she said, in my mind, if, something's, if, if words are in red, that means they're going to edit them out. I just assume they were going to take these words out of, of the Bible. That's how unaware she was of Scripture. She said, I, I thought they were just going to take these words out. And I'm like, well, honey, some have tried. No, I didn't say that. <laughs> so I was like that. I was like that young woman. Because I remember thinking, well, how can you grow up in the United States, Bibles everywhere, and not have any idea even why those words are in red. I mean, but, but that's the reality. And that was really, in essence, my reality. No framework for the gospel until my roommate gives her life to Jesus. And I remember watching her so closely. I remember thinking, what's her life going to be like? I remember coming home with one of my friends, and there was a Bible on the bed, and we kind of looked at it like it was a snake. You know what I mean? Like it was going to bite us or something. What's that doing there? <laughs> and why is it open? You know, I mean, we just, it was all so new. What I didn't know is that my roommate had gotten immediately connected in Chi Alpha and started going to all the Chi Alpha meetings telling them, we need to pray for Stepha. Stepha needs to meet Jesus. And then Chi Alpha was after me. (laughs) Some of you have that look like, that's why I'm here. Chi Alpha was after me. Yeah. (laughs) I actually saw some people nod their (laughs) head. You guys, the students of Chi Alpha did three things for me. They loved me, they showed me the life of Jesus reflected through their lives. I'm serious, I just really hadn't seen that. And they prayed. They prayed, they knew how to pray. These students knew how to pray you into the kingdom. They knew how you they knew how to pray you right into the love of Jesus. You know what I'm saying? They loved me, they showed me the life of Jesus, and they prayed. I thought they were very interesting, but I was still, you know, I I was like, I was like, I don't know, why do they gotta be so into God? You know, that's really where I was. I mean, I was just kind of this rational person. Like, I think maybe they just need some balance in their life. I was thinking all of these thoughts and and everywhere I would go on campus, because we had kind of a small campus, we had thirty six hundred undergrads, so you just bumped into people all over the place. Everywhere I went, those Christians were out there. I would walk, you know, I'd be like, okay, well, oh, oh, there's another one. Oh, my goodness, they're everywhere. And I, I just didn't know where to go. And they were everywhere. And so the campus pastor at the time was a guy named Sean Smith. I don't know if you've ever heard Sean. He, he speaks sometimes. Uh, Sean was the, he was, our, he was our Chi Alpha campus pastor. And he would be, we'd have um, a uh, like a contact table in the middle of campus in the student union area. And I would, I remember every time I'd go by there, Sean would put his arm around me. Now, a good one-arm side hug. Don't get me wrong. What you know? And he would hug me and he would say, Steffa, we love you. Come to Chi Alpha. And I'd come up with every reason in the world why I was busy that day, night, morning, afternoon, whatever it was. Whatever. he was inviting me to i was busy i gotta wash my cat you know and um (laughs) i gotta get a cat so i can wash him you know and and so i finally got to the point where where i would be like okay i gotta go to class and i had to go through the student unit i was like sean's gonna be there and so i would start going all the way around campus the long way around campus to avoid the christians hello is that all right (laughs) to say out loud i would go all the way around you guys but they just kept loving me just kept showing me jesus just kept praying for me i like to say that they persisted when i resisted and they loved me for over three years three years because i'm a little hard-headed but three years beginning of my senior year is when the lord finally won my heart Um, I actually, I ended up getting a job on campus that I look now and I'm like, I was totally not qualified for it, but I can see how God set me up because the staff advisor and her husband ended up being best friends with the guy who had been my RA three years earlier. How's that for a setup? Like there's no way anybody but God could have done that one, right? I ended up going to the church that a lot of the high students went to one night and I was sitting in the back with my friend and a guy was preaching and he invited people to give their lives to Jesus. And my friend turned to me and said are you ready and I don't know how to describe it but I I, the way I the way I tell people is I felt like something reached inside of me and shook something loose on the inside and it's like I heard God whisper to me he said Stephanie I want all of you I don't want 90% I don't want 99 I just I want all of you and I turned to my friend and said yes I'm ready Yes, I want this Jesus. It was October 15th. I remember that. It was a Sunday night coming up on my spiritual birthday in a couple weeks. I didn't know what it meant to give God 90 or 90 or 99 or 100%, you know. How many of you guys have got that all figured out? You've got you all know you you should be up here with the microphone right? Yeah. I didn't know what that meant. I I just knew God had called me to give him all of me. And and if you were at Salt, you heard this, but I think it bears repeating. I um you know, I, I realized later when I said, yes, God, you can have all of me, I realized how reasonable and how loving it is for God to ask us of everything. It's, it's really, really reasonable because I, here's the thing, Jesus never asked us to give something that he didn't already give. When he asked me for all of me, he's not like, I want you to give all of me, you know, I want you to give all of yourself to me and I, you only have part of me. I mean, Jesus didn't offer only part of himself to us. I always love to say, you know, when when the Lord died, I mean, again, I don't know everybody in the room, so I don't know if this is a new story for you, but when Jesus died on the cross for our sins, aren't you glad that he didn't die like 90% you know what I'm saying, like, or, you know, I, and I've said this before, it's kind of fun to say, but like, when Jesus died for our sins, like, he didn't take the easy way out, like, he didn't die in his sleep for our sins, you know what I mean, he didn't die a peaceful death, for our, he didn't get hit by a camel for our sins, you know what I'm saying, like, and he didn't, like, fall off a cliff for our sins, like, he really genuinely died the most gruesome, horrible death known to man, like, he went all in, and when he went all in, he didn't die for, like, 90% of my sin, Or yours. He didn't die for 99% leaving the 1% that you may be most ashamed about. He died for that one too. That one. That one went to the cross too. That one that kind of hangs over you. That one that you're not really sure you could be forgiven for. That one that you wonder if it's going to catch up to you. He died for that one too. He went all in. So it was so reasonable for him to ask me to give him everything. Give him my whole life. It was also loving because I know he knows that you and I could never be satisfied with giving God only part of our heart. You know, I mean, I don't know. Some of you may have tried that. I think at times it's easy to get a little complacent where we feel like maybe I'm only given part of my heart. But it's just, we, I think those of us who have walked with Jesus for a while, we know that's just a terrible way to go. It's a terrible way to live. It's terrible to be like, you know, feet on one foot on both sides going, which way am I gonna go? He knows us well enough to know that he's like, I love you enough that I know you'll never be satisfied doing this thing like part way, just playing a game. So give me your whole heart. You know, we we get that when it comes to something like a wedding. Ladies, how would you feel if you, you know, dressed up in in your beautiful dress and you walk down the aisle and you get to the, you know, you get to the altar and you guys are doing your vows and you share your vows and then the man that you're standing there looking at and we're getting ready to spend the rest of your life with says, I promise to love, honor, and cherish you when I feel like it. (laughs) I promise to be faithful most of the time. <laughs> well, I didn't quite expect that. I feel like there's a little discomfort in the room. Because <laughs> we weren't made to just do it halfway. We get that in the natural. If I'm gonna if I'm gonna pledge my love and affection to a man at a wedding altar, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna vow my faithfulness. I vow my faithfulness to God. I, I know that I, I don't live in perfection. I don't go there. Don't leave here and say that lady was like, oh, no, I'm all stressed out because I've got to be perfect, you know, that kind of thing. But I want to give my whole heart to Christ, and I want to let him transform me into the person like we were singing about earlier. I want, I want him to transform me into the person he's made me to be. So I said yes to God. God, you can have all of me. How many of you know that when you say yes to God like that, you have no idea what you're saying? <laughs> let's just let's talk real. Cause I, I didn't know what that meant, and I'm gonna tell you more of my story tonight, and a little bit more tomorrow. Um, I will say that I was in the process of applying to law school uh, when the Lord won my heart. I and actually it was I was going into I think I mentioned I was um it was the beginning of my senior year of college when the Lord won my heart the beginning of my, the next semester is when I fully got, um, I was connected into my church right away, connected into a lot of the Chi Alpha friends, but it was the beginning of the next semester that I went to my first Chi Alpha actual meeting, and I was like, I remember going there the first time, and I was like, why have I been avoiding this for so many years? It was amazing. I mean, I was so, it's like walking into a hug. People who had been praying for me for so stinking long when I walked in the room, I mean the joy on their faces. It was pretty cool, it was pretty cool. And, um, and so I, I was just one of those kids that, like when I, when I started going to Chi Alpha, I was like, you know, how have I been waiting so long? And then I wanted to go to everything. I don't know if you've been like that. I wanted to go to everything. If, I mean, if they would have let me go to the men's Bible study, I would have gone to the men's Bible study. <laughs> You know, I just was like, every time the doors were open, I wanted to do this thing. I remember going to a retreat, and I'll just kind of wrap up here. I remember going to a retreat with um, some of the folks, and I'll be honest, guys. I realize now, I look back, I don't actually think I was invited to that retreat. I think it was a leadership retreat. (laughs) And I think they'd been praying so long for me, they didn't want to tell me no. (laughs) So, Because I just heard there's a retreat, and I'm like, okay, I'm going. And I I look back now, as I think about all who was there, I was like, I totally wasn't invited, but I went and I remember that night. I remember um, they asked us to all pray about what God wanted what God might want to do in our lives and through our lives for that semester in, in our Chi Alpha group. And I remember kneeling down on the floor, just kind of up, up against a chair. And as I knelt down, God spoke something to me so unbelievably clearly that it changed the rest of my life. And tonight I'm gonna tell you the rest of that story. <laughs> So I will leave you there. (laughs) Tonight, um, I feel betrayed. (laughs) You're like, well, if you were trying to build some relational trust, you just lost it, lady. (laughs) That's awesome. I will tell you the rest of my story tonight and a little bit more tomorrow. Um, tonight, I, I, I do trust that you guys will be ready to go deep. Um, I do trust that you will be ready to let God go deep in your hearts and your, mind, uh, your minds. Um, and then tomorrow, we're going to have a little bit more fun as we think about heading back onto our campuses. Um, I do want to come back to that one thing, though, and then um, I'm going to invite my friend Taylor up in a moment, and then we're going to do some questions for for Life's group Life Group. But I do want to circle back to that what I said a few minutes ago. Um, I, during worship, I, I did feel like, just a, a little prompting, like there are some folks who, f- who do feel like there's that 1% that still nags at them or that they, they can't outrun. That 1% of shame that you've been trying to outrun for a long time and it's, it's exhausting. It's, it's really tiring. And I, I do feel like the Lord wants to revisit that for a moment and uh, encourage you, remind you, Set you free from that. Um, I do get that there are a lot of times there are consequences to what we do. There's, you know, I mean, gosh, you can't spend four minutes in the news these days without seeing all kinds of consequences. Um, But that's different than living under the bondage of shame when you know the forgiveness of Jesus. And um, so I'm going to ask you guys in a moment, we're just going to pray. This is not a big, long, extended prayer, but I'm going to ask you to put your hand on your heart. Um, just as a point of contact, just as a reminder that Jesus, um, by his spirit, he wants to come close. Like, he's here. There's no question he's here. But sometimes I do this just like a point of access. God, I, I, I just, the deepest place of my heart, that's where I want you to have access. And, and um, I'm going to pray. And however, within your own heart and mind, um, if there's something I'm praying that just kind of, yes, that's me, then just go ahead and dialogue with the Lord. But, um, Father, we... We do, we want you to have access to the deepest places of our hearts and our minds, God. God, I often imagine my heart like um, chambers or rooms. um, And God, I I just want you to have access into every door. Um, I don't want to leave any door locked. I don't want to, um, I don't want to try to put a barricade and say, no, not that. And Lord, I, I just want, I want you to have access. You're, um you know me, you know us well enough, and you are gentle enough that you don't, you're not looking to break down doors, but God, it's more like I see you um, taking us each by the hand and saying, okay, let's, let's explore this room now. Let's explore this room and why there's shame in there. Let's explore this room and why there's some guilt in there. Let's explore this room. See why you're trying to outrun some stuff that's just making you tired. God, I pray for my friends here for the ones who may feel like that, that they'd be able to invite you in, let you bring light where there's darkness, let you bring freedom where there's shame, let you bring forgiveness. Um, And I do pray that out of this, the deepest places of our hearts would become more and more free as we give you all of our hearts today. Lord, I pray that the joy of forgiveness, the joy of freedom would begin to well up in them that they would know, um, yeah, there's nothing that causes you to cringe away. In fact, God, you lean in, you press in, and you do that for our, our good and for your glory. So I pray a blessing on my friends today. Lord, I pray that for the rest of our time here this weekend, God, you would whisper things to us that clearly come from you, things we're not um, just trying to manufacture or, or whatever, um, just those little whispers that come that we know, wow, God, just... God just encouraged me today, God set me free today, God convicted me today, God challenged me today, God called me to something new today. I pray that over the course of the time, Lord, and whether that's during life group time or whether that's during uh, play time or rest time uh, or whatever time, Lord, I know you can speak above and beyond all of our circumstances, and I ask you to do that in the name of Jesus. And everyone said... Amen, 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 amen. I would encourage you guys, if, if the Lord did something, um, yeah, if there was an area of freedom from shame or something, share that with somebody if you, if you feel like you can do that. Um, there's something about walking together, and there's something about recognizing the work that God did um, in us that when we share it with somebody, that's pretty powerful. Um, so, anyway, I want to invite my friend Taylor up here for a moment. Come on up, Taylor, and then we're going to get into some life group questions. Taylor, I have the great, great pleasure of working with Taylor. Uh, she recently moved to the National Chi Alpha Ministry Center. I should have said that. I work at the National Chi Alpha Ministry Center. I can't remember if someone did. Um, I live in Springfield, and I'll tell you more about that later. Um, but Taylor recently moved uh, in May and was a student at West Virginia University. I asked her to share a little bit of her story because she has lived more recently in where you guys are in a lot of stuff. I don't know if you know so there's a little bit of an age difference in here. I, I, I keep the pimples to throw everybody off though. And, um, and um, but I, Taylor, it was like the quintessential student leader that everybody wanted to have, um, yeah, yeah. She just lived it, she lived it well, and so she'll tell a little bit of her story and then I may wrap up with um, something from a, a campus minister's perspective, but Taylor, I would love for you to tell your
1: story. So,
0: You guys welcome Taylor.
1: Thank you guys, it is so much fun to be here with y'all. Y'all are a fun group. I really, really love, um, it's been a pleasure to meet y'all, love y'all's campuses. Um, So I'm just going to share a couple minutes of my story. Is that okay with y'all? Cool. Okay. Well, um, growing up, I grew up in a Christian home, and so I knew the Lord from a young age, um, wanted to serve the Lord, and when I graduated high school, when it came time to start looking at colleges, I wanted to reach my campus for Jesus. I wanted to go to a place where I could be an effective witness for Jesus. And so I began to pray, began to take the SAT and ACT and all that and apply to different colleges. And I basically narrowed it down to two schools. One was a small private Christian school and the other was the number one party school in America, aka West Virginia University. And I applied to that one as a safety school because this little Christian school, um, I decided to go to school for pharmacy. Didn't really know what I wanted to do, but my family, they're all pharmacists, so I thought, well, hopefully I'll be able to make it in the field. And so I was pretty upset on this little Christian school, but I applied to West Virginia University just in case I didn't get in there. And from the moment I applied, I felt like the Lord was leading me to go to West Virginia. And I was like, well, that's weird because it's a huge party school. Um, I did know about Chi Alpha, but there was no Chi Alpha at all at West Virginia. Um, But I felt so strongly that I was supposed to go there, and I told my parents that a couple months before I graduated, and they were like, no, (laughs) you're not going to go to the number one party school. Sorry, don't think you heard the Lord right. Try again. We'll have this conversation later, but I knew that I heard the Lord, and so I eventually went back, and I said, Mom, I think I'm supposed to go. To West Virginia, and she was like, All right, we'll get you ready to go to WVU. So, what I thought was going to happen is I was going to roll up there and change some people in my dorm for Jesus, and like revival was going to break out or something. And that's not what happened. I moved into my dorm in August, and I searched high and low for a Bible study or just some kind of Christian group that I can join, and I came up with nothing. So, here I am. It's probably around this time of year, like late September, early October. I have very few friends. No Christian group. I really hadn't told anybody about Jesus. And I was like, Jesus, what am I doing here? I know you've called me here, but I see nothing. And I was frustrated and I was starting to get bitter. But the really cool part about this story is that um, I didn't have a car when I was a freshman any freshman without cars, you can't have a car on campus. And it was a little bit of a struggle. So the only way I could get to church was there was a family living near my campus and they would drive about 20 minutes outside of the city to go to church every Sunday. So I ended up getting hooked up with them. They would come pick me up from my dorm and take me to church. And while I was at this church, the pastor um, that led a Sunday school class was telling me, Taylor, there's going to be a Chi Alpha group coming to West Virginia. There's missionaries. They are kind of on the way, but I didn't really see anything, so it's like, I'll take that with a grain of salt. Um, so I, I knew that there might be something coming, but I decided to transfer. I kind of gave up hope because it's like it could be years before a Chi Alpha group comes and I just... I don't see anything happening. Um, The crazy part of this story is that there was a mentor of mine that I had growing up, and the Lord had spoken to her a few years back and said that there was going to be a Chi Alpha and there was going to be a church coming to West Virginia University. And so when I started to feel discouraged and I wanted to transfer, um, she would actually come pick me up for my dorm because she lived in the area and she would take me back to her house and she would say, Taylor, the Lord has spoken to me and he told me there's going to be a Chi Alpha and there's going to be a church coming and we have to continue to pray. And so I have this mentor of mine telling me this. I have this pastor at my church telling me that there's going to be a church coming in at Chi Alpha. But I was like, OK, maybe you guys have more faith than I do, but I just see myself every Friday night sitting alone in my dorm. But I had no other option, so I just decided to pray. I did fill out my transfer application, but um, I just decided to pray. And, and so I started praying, and a year and two months, I prayed for a Chi Alpha, and I prayed for a church to come to West Virginia. And right when I went to transfer, I just felt like the Lord told me no. And so I re-signed a lease to stay on my campus. I thought I was crazy, but I came back. I decided to give it one more year, my sophomore year and in august or august october so it's almost kind of the anniversary coming up i remember it clear as day i was sitting in spanish class and i got a text from a chi alpha missionary named katie she said, hey, my name's Katie. My husband and I just moved to West Virginia to pioneer a Chi Alpha group, and we would love to meet you. We would love to get in touch with you. And I was like, no, the Lord's not really actually answering this prayer. I mean, I had prayed for it. I felt like the Lord told me there was going to be something, but it's like, I'm not going to get my hopes up. I don't think he can actually really answer this prayer. But I agreed to meet with this Chi Alpha missionary over coffee, and i have ever... Stepha said that Kai Alpha hunted her down. That kind of was for me, too, this missionary. Um, I was very study-driven, and so I didn't like taking time away from studying. But she would want to hang out all the time. And even though I had prayed for Kai Alpha, I was like, what is this girl's deal? She wants to be my friend all the time. Like, she would show up in the lobby of my dorm. I would be leaving for class, and she would be doing Bible study there. I was like, this is so weird. But she continued to fight for my friendship, and and I knew that she was real. And I saw something in her. Um, that I knew was Jesus, and so I said, Lord, I had kind of maybe started to find a Bible study in my dorm, but the Lord told me, I want you to leave that, and I want you to partner with this uh, missionary couple to start Chi Alpha, so I said, okay, I'll do it, and long story short, I ended up partnering with this missionary couple. Eventually, they had a couple more people move up and join their team. Um, I actually became the first student leader of our Chi Alpha, so in the beginning of Kai Alpha, it was the two missionaries and me, and that was Kai Alpha at West Virginia. And I went through the class to become a life group leader, and it was just me and the campus pastor, so no pressure. Anyone that's ever been through that class when they ask you the hard questions, it was just me and the campus pastor, or no other group to help me answer those questions, but um, I just, I said yes to the Lord, um, ended up becoming a life group leader. I was the first student life group leader for a year, um, and since then, our Chi has been active for five years now, and the Lord has just blessed it. There's um, a ton of students involved. Um, I think this year we have like somewhere around 60 liters. Not that like numbers are important, but just to show that the Lord blesses obedience and the Lord blesses when you say yes. And so when it came time for me to graduate, um, I was Chi Alpha all the way through. Chi Alpha started my sophomore year. Um, I was a super senior because it happens sometimes. It's not the end of the world if it does to you. And during my super senior year, the Lord told me, I want you to give a year with Kai Alpha, give a year back to your campus. But we didn't have a give a year program, so I was like, well, I'm the first to everything else. I might as well be the first one to give a year, too. Why not? And um, decided to give a year back to my campus. And after I said yes, the Lord actually called two other students. And this past year, we gave a year back to West Virginia, and kind of got to help the internship going, um, and now I'm working at the National Calpha Ministry Center. I get to work with amazing people like Stefa, and I love it. Um, but I say all that of my story to say I am not special. I'm kind of awkward, and I'm pretty quiet. and And Jesus uses people like that. and So just be encouraged, like, I think most of my life, even through college, I kind of felt like second string. Um, Even in church sometimes, I was like, well, there's people that are talented, they can speak and they can worship, but I'm pretty just to myself, and I don't really know if the Lord uses people like me, but he does, and and if you just say yes to the next thing that Jesus puts in front of you, um, he can use you like that, too, and I think the last thing I want to say, when we were driving up, I told Steph of this, um, serving Jesus in college is really hard. I was just there. I've only graduated in 2017, so I'm not that far away from college, um, and I remember coming to Fall Retreat as a Chi Alpha student um, and as a life group leader, and it was kind of during the time of year when school was picking up, and it was getting real, and tests were starting, and I remember feeling overwhelmed and driving up to so many retreats um, with Chi Alpha through the years, thinking, Jesus, I need you to meet me here, or I don't know what I am going to do, um, and he always did, and so I guess just be encouraged to um, even this morning, if you're like, "Well, I didn't really feel it," um, Jesus wants to meet you here this weekend, and I saw Him do it for me, um, and He promises that when we draw close to Him, He's going to draw close to us. And so I'm excited. I think that the Lord's up to some cool things this weekend. So thanks for letting me share my story. I love to meet y'all. And yeah.
0: Thank you. Come here. Here's
1: come here for a
0: So, okay. So Taylor raised raised to love Jesus. Since how old were you? Like five? Before that. Four. What's that? Yeah, before that. Before five. Before. Raised to love Jesus with all of her heart. Me, um, just not raised in the things of faith. Both of our lives were forever changed Mm -hmm. because God raised up a group of students just like you. Well, you were that student. (laughs) But God raised up people who said, you know, we're going to say yes to the call of God because we believe God wants to do something in the lives of college students. Mm -hmm. You guys, I, I, I look at you guys and I think about the students who are on my campus who loved me, prayed for me, and showed me the life of Jesus, who persisted when I resisted. Not the exact same faces, but I look at your faces and think of those ones. I, I think about what Taylor did. Taylor's yes changed the life of a lot of people at West Virginia University. It really is known, it's a crazy party school. It's ridiculous. It's, I mean, they, they, they play hard there. Um, They also I mean it's just it's a good school and everything like that there are you know well over 200 people there today who are part of that ministry because one person because God was able to use one student to begin to break up some ground and do something cool like who knows what the Lord wants to do on your campus you know what I mean who knows what the Lord has in mind I mean beautiful things have been going on for a long time Tom and Missy have been at Mizzou for I think Tom you said 14 years like oh who knows what is yet to come at Mizzou. Who knows what's yet to come at Columbia and s S&T and Stevens? And so if I can encourage you, I, part of the reason I wanted Taylor to share her stories because she's, even as she said, like, I don't feel special. She's actually pretty amazing. But she's like, I don't feel special. I feel second string. What can God do through one person who says yes? And then what can God do as you all together say yes? Amen? Amen? Amen. Thanks, Taylor. Thanks so much. All right. We're going to do a few um, life group um, life group uh, questions. I want to kind of talk them through with you a little bit. And then I think, do you, are, Tom, is there instructions for them to go? Or am I just wrapping it up and letting that? Or maybe Angela, somebody. Yeah, we'll just uh, go ahead and get into your life groups. Or in the and XAI, you one also with so we'll just go from there. Thank you. All right. Um, when you guys meet together I'm going to encourage you guys uh, a little bit. I, I know you guys have been meeting for a few weeks, but I'm going to ask you to do something I'm going to ask you to take some relational risks in your life group maybe wherever you've gone in terms of your comfort level of sharing, take one step further We never grow unless we're willing to take one step beyond where we've been How many of you guys know that um, I I was about to say I like to work out. I don't really like to work out. I like when I did work out, like when it, when it's over. You know, I like like five minutes after I'm done working out. Oh, I like working out. But I don't like it until then. But, you know, but I have this little thing every once in a while. I, I just have, I remember one time I just was thinking about times when I just need to kind of, kind of go to the next level. And sometimes what I do is if I'm doing weights or something like that, and I, it's so easy just to do what I've always done. But how many of you guys know, like, even in working out or something, you plateau pretty easily. If you keep doing the same thing you've always done, I think there's some athletes. I'm sure there are athletes in the room. You guys get it. If you keep doing what you've always done, you're just going to plateau. So every once in a while, if I'm doing weights or something, I will just—I almost like I can hear it. I kind of tell myself in my head. I I say one word. I say reach. Reach one more. So if I was going to do 15 reps, I can hear myself sometimes say reach, and I'll just do 16, just to kind of keep it going, just for one last bit of a stretch. To kind of challenge myself into greater growth, can I ask you guys just to take one step to reach when you guys meet in your in your life groups today? Okay, is that cool? Is that that a deal? One step to reach, and then here's the questions. I don't know if we are are we gonna put them up there. Oh, there we go. So tell us some fun about your childhood. This is just kind of like a get to know you question. Maybe you've done this. Um, but there, it's funny to see little nuances of people's um, personality and character, Um, when I was a kid, okay, so I'm the oldest grandchild on my mom's side of the family, which means I'm the boss of everything, okay, so that's just kind of how it goes if you're the oldest kid, how many oldest kids we have in the room, okay, boss of everything, right, and um, like, so in biblical days, here's one little little thing, in biblical days, if you're the oldest, you got the double portion of the inheritance, Okay, that doesn't work anymore, right? You know what I'm saying? Like back in the biblical days, it was like, oh, you're the oldest child, so you get two, you, know, you get double what your brother gets. And that's how it did like Jacob and Esau and that whole thing. For me, I feel like the oldest child gets the double portion of responsibility, the double portion of chores, right? Yeah, there you go. But I, So I'm the t- typical oldest child, and so whenever we would have games and stuff, I had to be the primary leader. So I was a bit of a nerd, okay, growing up. Bit of a nerd, and one of the games we like to play, we 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 would um, create clubs, and so one day we created the United States of America club. <laughs> I, thought I was kind of a nerd, and and so I was of course the president of the United States of America club, and we would open by pledging allegiance to the flag, and then we would move on to any new business, which we had none. So we would adjourn, and then that was our entire <laughs> that was our entire club meeting. That was so that that's kind of a strange little thing. But here's the thing: I realized that it's just like a little indicator light like, of my propensity toward leadership. I feel like I've got a leadership gift on my life, even as a child. That was reflected. I was kind of always the always the leader. So tell us something about that. Also, when you were a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? How many times like do people ask little kids that? You know, what do you want to be a nuclear scientist? You know, um, and is that what you're working toward now? Why or why not? It'd be interesting if you guys could go a little deeper. Like, I always wanted to be, like, for me, I I actually went into college as a biology major, and it wasn't until I was in biology that I realized how bad I am at science. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, they would tell you um, to look on the slide, look through the microscope, find the amoeba, and draw it. And I would look, and I was like, it's not there. And and then my lab partner would look, and and my lab was like, it was right there. And I'd look, and I'd be like, nope, it moved. I mean, I could never, ever, and then it was somewhere in that process I thought, Maybe science isn't my, you know, what should be my major. You know, it was a little bit of a self-awareness, a little bit of a disillusionment thing, but um, that was part of my story with um, what I wanted to be when I grew up. Uh, Another one, what characteristic of God do you find yourself most grateful for? That would, that will be fun. Is there a prayer that you find that you pray often? Be kind of a cool thing to identify. And then this last one, I want to give you um, a little bit of, of understanding. There's a word we're going to look at. It's. It's. We're not going to spend a lot of time on it tonight. We're going to look at Luke chapter 1, and there's a word in there. It says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. That word overshadow. Anybody ever hear that word? You probably, if you've made any laps around scripture, you probably heard that word before. It says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. That word um, is a New Testament word that's used five times uh, in New Testament. That makes sense. It's used three times for the Mount of Transfiguration, and that's a story some of you guys may be familiar with, others may not be. It was a story where Jesus took three of his 12 disciples, and there was, they just had this power encounter where they had a revelation of who Jesus is. I don't know if, you, if you've read that story or heard it, but three times in the New Testament, that story is told where that word is used. They just have this incredible encounter. The Holy Spirit shows up, does something really cool in their lives. One other time it's used is in Luke chapter one when it says, "The Holy Spirit will come talking to Mary." G- Gabriel is talking to Mary saying, the "Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will uh, conceive a child." We're going to get deeper into that uh, tonight because it's kind of a crazy story. We're actually going to talk a little bit about Mary. I was telling Taylor that um, I feel like no one ever tells, and no one ever looks at Luke chapter one and tells Mary's story unless it's Christmas. You know, I always feel like Mary's like that relative you never see unless it's Christmas, you know. And, uh, but we're going to see Mary in, uh, in September here. But it says the Holy Spirit will overshadow you. And then there's one other time that that's used in the book of Acts when Peter, after Jesus has been resurrected and goes to heaven and uh, the apostles are traveling and, and it says that Peter's shadow would fall on people and people would get healed. It's the same word. Now, here's what I, where we're going with this. There was new life, Luke 1, overshadow new life. The Mount of Transfiguration stories, a revelation of Christ. The third one, healing. So I'm going to ask you guys to identify, is there an area that you would like God to move in your life this weekend? An area of new life? An area of a, uh, where you feel like, I really need a revelation of Christ? Or an area of healing? I'm asking you to take a relational risk. There may be an area of your life where you feel like, man, there's just this part of my life just feels like it's dead or sick or um, I'm, I'm disappointed, I'm hurt in this area and I need God to bring healing. I need God to bring some life. Or maybe there's an area like, I really need a revelation of Christ because I'm really struggling in this area. New life, revelation of Christ, and healing. Might there be an area that you would want God to move in your life this weekend? Does that make sense? Father, I pray for um, times in life group. I pray for for courage. Lord, I know we can do a light and kind of light and fluffy thing, but I don't think that's why why these these folks are here. I don't think they're here for light and fluffy. I think they're here for depth. And I pray that you'd give them courage to go deeper in relationship with you and with one another. I pray that each group would be an encouraging place, uh, a place to... um, Yeah, to band together. And uh, as they seek you, um, I pray that they would find hope and healing, new life, revelation in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, friends, you guys are dismissed to your life groups. We will see you at lunch at 1 o'clock, if not before, I believe.